I noticed <laughs> that where I was like, oh, why do I have to breathe so loud? It's like. <laughs> 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 That's how I imagine Lamb breathes. Because he's a little wheezing bitch. Because he's a weasel of a person. <laughs> but um. Okay, we should start this. Okay, shit. I gotta go. <laughs> I gotta go. Okay. Hi, I'm Melissa, and I'm Gwen, and this is Tea and Squee. This is the podcast where we spill the tea about the things that make us squee. Today's mm. topic is wayward. Son, the more depressing brother to carry on. This is the second book in the Simon Snow trilogy by Rainbow Rowell. This is our part two in our Simon Snow coverage on this podcast. And part three will be coming to you in August because we just found out that Anyway the Wind Blows, the epic conclusion to the Simon Snow trilogy is coming out in July! Oh my god. Because we thought it was coming out in September. Mm-hmm. And we thought we were going to have to wait till October. But uh-uh-uh, y'all. Mm-mm. It's Hot Girl Summer. And Hot Girl Summer has Simon Snow in it. Mm-hmm. Because... It wouldn't be Hot Girl Summer without Simon and Baz. No, I don't want my Hot Girl Summer without them, honestly. No. What's the point in looking hot in a bikini if I'm not also reading Simon Snow? Exactly. Like, I need my beach read to function. And <laughs> <laughs> That's my beach read. All right. Before we get into all of the hot, hot tea and all of the excessive squee, uh, we are going to do our best to summarize the plot of Wayward Son for you here. Uh, hang on tight. Uh, and as usual, spoilers lie ahead. If you have not read Wayward Son yet, don't listen to this episode. No, no. And I say that as someone who loves spoilies. Don't spoily this one for yourself. You're going to no. be mad at you. You're going to be mad at yourself. Yeah, you deserve to experience this one yourself before you before you listen to this podcast. So if you haven't read it. Mm-hmm. Go read it, and this will be here waiting for you when you're done. Exactly. So, okay, I guess first we should talk about what happens at the very end of Carry On that we didn't say in the last episode because it's major spoiler alert, Mm -hmm. and we didn't want to spoil that for you guys. So in order to defeat the humdrum, the humdrum is like a print or a shadow of Simon's magic when Simon blows up. Essentially, the humdrum also appears somewhere else and kind of creates a dead spot of magic. Mm -hmm. And so the only way Simon thinks of, I guess, to stop the humdrum is pouring literally all of his magic into the humdrum until the humdrum is dead. Mm -hmm. And then by doing this, Simon lost all of his magic. He Mm -hmm. only has a dragon wings and tail that Mm -hmm. he transformed. Remnants of the last spell that he cast. While he mm-hmm. still had magic. And basically, we, we, this affects Simon a fuck ton. You know, he's the chosen one. He's grown up his entire life being special and golden. And then now he has to kind of enter this new chapter of his life. No longer at Watford. No longer having the mage kind of being a shitty mentor. But a mentor at mm-hmm. his side. And now he has no magic. Now he does not have that thing that makes him special. And so at the very end of Carry On, 
or beginning of Wayward Son is when he and Penelope move into a flat together. Mm -hmm. So Penny and Simon are living together in a flat. They're supposed to be going to university together. Baz does not live with them, but he is attending university with them. And he's over all the time, obviously, Mm -hmm. because he's Simon's boyfriend. (laughs) So uh, when we pick up our story at the beginning of Wayward Son, Simon is severely depressed. He doesn't understand what to do with his life now that he is no longer the chosen one. Baz and Penelope keep trying to drag him off of the couch, but he's becoming more and more depressed and thus is interested in less and less that they have to contribute. Um, Baz makes a comment about how he spends most of his days just lying on the couch with a hard cider in his hand kind of thing. Because of Simon's depression, um, Baz and Simon are experiencing some relationship problems. They aren't sure how to communicate with each other, and it goes so far as to have Simon make the decision to break up with Baz. He is planning to break up with Baz, but he never gets the chance to because just before he does, Penny bursts through the door of their flat and announces that they are going on a road trip to America. They are going to visit her uh, her boyfriend, Micah, and they're going to visit Agatha. So they're going to fly into Chicago. They're going to meet up with Micah, say hi, visit with him, and then they're going to drive cross-country to L.A. to visit Agatha. So they all agree to go on this road trip. It's super sweet. They're gonna fly into Chicago. They get there. They realize, holy shit, America's huge. (laughs) It's a three-day drive to LA. They go to visit Micah anyway. They're riding in a convertible. Simon thinks it's the coolest thing ever. Baz is getting sunburned. Micah breaks up with Penelope. And so now Penelope feels like she also doesn't have direction in life because the one constant in her life was Micah. She knew that at the end of everything, he would be there and they would get married and blah, 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 blah. Micah breaks up with her. She doesn't know what to do. Everyone is lost in America. And they have to travel across country to get to Agatha because Penny has some dread that Agatha is in trouble. So they have to go and find Agatha and rescue her. Along the way, they meet a whole bunch of American magical creatures and also an American boy named Shepard who is not magic but knows magic. He uh, can't do magic himself, but he knows of magicians and he knows other magical and supernatural creatures around the American country. Uh, so he becomes kind of their, like, local guide as they travel. They end up in Las Vegas, which is the vampire capital of America, where Baz must uh, become sort of a double agent and work under the tutelage of the vampire king of Las Vegas. Baz learns how to be a proper vampire and the fact that it doesn't have to be a soul-crushing burden to him. And this is news, and it's amazing. This all culminates in a final battle in which they must all go to save Agatha, who has been captured by a new wave of vampires who are trying to harness magic. They have found out that Agatha is a magician, and they want to extract her magic for themselves so that they can live forever and be the superior race. They, with the vampire king, whose name is Lamb, go out to the desert to rescue Agatha, but Lamb drives them straight into a dead spot to turn over Simon, Penny, and Shepard as a sacrifice to this New Age vampire group, intending to keep Baz for himself to live in his vampire colony in Las Vegas. 
ultimately uh simon and the gang end up winning and they go back to agatha's la apartment and that's where the book ends Mm -hmm. is with penny arriving on the beach to tell baz that there's trouble at watford and they need to go home oh shit i forgot about that ending Mm -hmm. see it's so dramatic the whole fight at the very end is so it's so draining and exhausting because it's terrifying but so cool at the same time i literally forgot that there was shit to do in england i remember the first time i read this throwing my book across the room because I was so mad that she left it on such a serious cliffhanger. <laughs> like, I mean, I'm, I'm kind of used to cliffhangers. I grew up reading Rick Riordan, you know, yeah. like I'm used to cliffhangers. <laughs> but because I had never gotten a cliffhanger from her because like Carry On wasn't initially written to be a trilogy, you know, it wasn't supposed mm-hmm. to be the first book in a trilogy. It was supposed to be a one-off. Fangirl was a one-off, you know. I wasn't used to her version of cliffhangers, mm-hmm. and so then when I got one, I was so mad at her. <laughs> yeah, I was like, are you serious? And now we have to wait to find out what was wrong at, at Watford, and then also if Baz and Penny's parents are literally going to murder them. for Because of all the magic they did in America that mm-hmm. was seen by non-magicians. Yeah. And also, I think they magicked money, which is, like, a big no-no in the community of mm-hmm. mages. So they were like, we go going to be fucked when we get home. We also <laughs> have to find out in the next one whether or not Baz and Simon stay together. Oh, my God. I swear to God, I will throw a book against a wall if they break up. Or worse, if one of them dies in any way the wind blows. I'm going to freak out. Their entire relationship in Wayward Son is so very much on the rocks. Like, they have (laughs) moments that just, like, make my heart sore. And then they have moments that just make me so sad for them. And at the end of it, they're, like, on the beach. And they're about to finally have their heart-to-heart that they need to have. And talk about how neither of them feel like they can live without the other. And they are in love with each other. And penny interrupts it and so we have to find out in the next book whether or not they stay together i just want a snow baz maybe not a proposal but like a nice little promise between them that they're gonna stay together forever and that they love each other and that they're not gonna break up ever oh my god have you seen that fan art where it's them on their wedding day writing wedding letters to each other no. I have I'm... to send it to you. It's saved on my Snowbaz Crack Pinterest board. I will send oh it to God. you because it's the most beautiful. I will also post it on Twitter. Please do. Because also, everyone I... needs to see it. I was looking on Tumblr and Pinterest for snow, well, for Wayward Sun content, if I'm being honest. Mm-hmm. And all I really found, and this isn't, this isn't a bad thing. I saw a lot of Snowbaz art. And I was really here for it. And eventually I got distracted from what my original intent was. And it, it's <laughs> Snowbaz art is the prettiest thing ever. It's so gorgeous. And I think I also just like love the, how the covers of these books look. They're so beautiful mm. and stylized. And I just I love how bright and happy they are. It makes you know who else happy. is beautiful and stylized? Hmm. Tiernis Basilton Grimpitch. What a legend. He's a legend in America. Like, I know he hates it, but he looks damn good hating it. He looks so good. The flowered suit. He shows up to go and meet with the Vampire King in a flowered suit. 
from my dreams. Mm -hmm. The amount of money I would pay to see a handsome man in a well-tailored flower print suit. Ugh. Oh my goodness. Uh, I think one of my favorite, and there's not a lot of fluffy moments in the book, and initially that made me really angry, but then I realized that it was a beautiful representation of how people go through shit and how people deal with trauma differently, and they both dealt with a lot of trauma in the past book and still are kind of growing and healing from that, but one of my favorite fluffy Baz and Simon moments was at the the, re the renaissance fair and directly after it where they get they find there's like vampires there and initially they're like they're flirting and they're kind of like playing around with these foam swords like actual swords and not their dicks but mm -hmm. um <laughs> <laughs> let me be clear here they are real swords and like simon's getting all flirty it's really fucking cute to see them actually be wholesome again and suddenly yeah. there's a vampire fight but it's also bitchin' because they love watching each other fight. I'm like, ooh, look at that kink. We love to see it. Mm -hmm. Like, <laughs> it's it's the one of my favorite scenes in the book because they just stumble mm -hmm. upon this random Ren fair in, <laughs> what, like Nebraska or something? Yeah, I think so. And they <laughs> they go to this Ren fair because Simon's like, come on, guys. It's a road trip. We have to do the fun stuff. And they show up. And everyone's, like, complimenting their accents. And Penny's aghast because she doesn't understand what this is. And she's so just like, why does this exist? The normals are wild. Yeah. And Simon and Baz are acting like a couple again. And it's so cute and fabulous. And then they take down a gang of vampires. Mm -hmm. And they run out of that place. And Simon pins Baz against the back of the convertible and just snogs him him yeah. and it is so good it is so good <laughs> it's so good and it's like you see simon is basically just high from fighting high from winning at life for once you know and he's like you know what i want to do i'm gonna kiss my damn boyfriend because he looks real good killing them vampires he literally says something <laughs> along the lines of like you are so hot when you kill vampires yeah. <laughs> i was like simon there's a time and a place, and both of them are now, but also, <laughs> damn, okay, okay. But also, later could be a time and a place, so maybe, like, hit the brakes for just yeah, a moment. Yeah, yeah, just yeah. pump the brakes. Because <laughs> you just did magic and killed a bunch of vampires in front of a bunch of normies, and this isn't like the Lightning Thief or Uncle Rick's series where there's mist. There ain't no mist. No, there ain't no mist to cover up your mistakes. They are mm -hmm. laid bare before the mm -hmm. Lord and the normals. So. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and that's where Shepard sees them. Oh, I love Shepard. I do I love too. Him. Initially, I found him kind of irritating, but then I, we got the chapter from his perspective, like the first one from his perspective, and mm -hmm. then I was like, oh, he's a cutie pie. I love him. Can we keep him? I ship him and Penny so hard. Oh my god, same. So hard. They're perfect for each other. I they love really this. are. They were, they're the banter. They had like, I'm trying to think of how to categorize Shepard. He like makes friends with like magical folk, basically. Yeah. And mm -hmm. like he learns about them, their stories and stuff. And he kind of like drives around America trying to make friends with different magical creatures. And mm -hmm. then he wants to be friends with these mages because mages typically keep to themselves because mm -hmm. they don't want to fucking talk to normals 
but Shepard pushes his way into the group and eventually they have to talk to him. And it's Penelope and him in like one chapter and they're like driving in a pickup truck and they're just bantering and it makes my heart sore because it's not quite enemies to lovers. It's like it's like reluctant Penelope to lovers. (laughs) Yes. Yes. It's, it's, It's a different it's a different tier of enemies to lovers. Not quite as intense, but I'm still here for it because we love a good banter here. Oh, it's lovely. It's lovely. It's lovely. I wouldn't even call it enemies to lovers in any capacity. It's just no. bantery flirtation. Yeah. And I love it. Like, Shepard is the best. He, for example, he has befriended a dragon. Did mm-hmm. you know that? Is it the Rocky Mountains or the Appalachians? Uh, Rocky Mountains. Did you know that the Rocky Mountains are just dragons? And they're just, they've just been asleep for centuries. Hello. Yeah. The Rocky Mountains are just dragons. They've just been asleep. And he has befriended one of these dragons. Mm-hmm. And um, <laughs> this dragon wants to adopt Simon yeah. because she thinks that Simon is like a halfling dragon because of his wings. It's hilarious. It's so cute and funny. She's like, oh, no, you're just a little baby. You don't know anything. What are you doing? And Simon's like, what the actual fuck? I'm not like, a, you're I'm not a dragon. Like, you're a like no i am just a boy with with dragon wings for some reason (laughs) oh and shepherd also i don't remember what she's called but she's in the hoover dam i believe and she's just kind of living there it's not a mermaid i'm trying to remember no she's like a dryad yeah a dryad thank you um and he makes friends with her and he brings her like gifts and shit because she gets really bored down there and she just wants to like consume art and it's beautiful and Shepard is so persistent and also very quickly loyal to the three friends and I think that's a beautiful beautiful thing and also during all of this we we have less Agatha like narrated chapters in these books so Agatha's living in LA she's kind of living her best life she still is trying to fit in and it's proving more difficult than she initially thought I think in the end of Carry On like she can't tell the normals all of her secrets and all these things about her past. So she's just like, oh, I've never belonged anywhere. She meets this girl, Ginger. This girl, Ginger, wants to take Agatha to this now next retreat where they can, like, ascend to, like, high, like they can level up. Yeah, and it, they're, it, like, your classic, like, life betterment sort of culty group, yeah. you know? Like, you, you read about it ginger talking about it and i'm like "Mm, something's fishy and agatha's like i don't want to do this Mm -hmm. but she goes anyways and she meets brayden essentially the head of the now next and they have a little flirtation and then we eventually start hearing less and less from agatha because we come to find out this is the layer of now next vampires Mm -hmm. and they've basically taken agatha captive Mm-hmm. The now next are vampires. Brayden is their king. He found out that Agatha can do magic, mm-hmm. and now he wants to extract it. Yep. It is big boy sad hours. I feel so bad for Agatha because she really just wanted to escape all this bullshit. But listen, I- our girl is a boss-ass <laughs> bitch. Is. Like, she does not suffer fools. No. She doesn't fall for any of Brayden's bullshit. The no. only reason that he is able to apprehend her is because he literally drugs her. Yeah, and it's hella fucked. Mm-hmm. And guess what? Our girl is the whole reason that they escape in the end because our girl can do wandless magic. Uh-huh. 
Agatha is more powerful than people give her credit for. Like, mm -hmm. let's just talk about, let's just skip to the end for a hot secchi, okay? This bitch can start a fire with her hands. That's mm -hmm. not something she's supposed to be able to do. Baz can do it because his family are mm -hmm. fire starters. She's not supposed to be able to do that, but guess what she can do? She can snap her fingers and light a spark. And she saves her and Penelope from being mm -hmm. kidnapped from these now next vampires. And then you know you know what they do? So Agatha mm -hmm. blows up a vampire with her fire hands, okay? Hello. They blow up a fucking vampire van. And then they find Shepard. Penelope pulls out Shepard's pocket knife. And she and Agatha cut their mouths open because they mm -hmm. have been glued shut by the now next vampires. These bitches are so hardcore. They cut their own mouths open. Simon describes them entering the battle screaming spells yep. and he's like, they looked like something from a horror movie. Yep. Penny is just like bleeding all over her face. This this woman swallowed her spellcasting mm -hmm. gem. She swallowed it. So that she is just a conduit for magic. Mm -hmm. And They're they queens. They basically become flamethrowers. I shit you not. They blow up the like a shit ton of vampires. They're just like pew, 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 pew. I can shoot fire from my hands. And they're so badass. And I fucking love it. It is the best part of that battle scene because it's the part that made me the least anxious, first of all. Mm -hmm. But also, I love my feminist kick-ass queens mm -hmm. as we're talking about the final battle i would like to talk about basilton please do because there are so many times in this book there are at least three or four times where you think someone's dead mm -hmm. because she ends a chapter with just like then the gunshots rang out and we're like oh my god who was shot and during the final battle simon gets shot Baz is being held by Lamb, the vampire king, Lamb. up on, like, a, a, a ridge. And um, Baz watches Simon fall to the ground after getting shot. And he goes feral. It's amazing. He walks up there, stands over what he thinks is Simon's dead body, and just lights himself on fire. Yeah. He's just shooting fire out of his hands he's ripping vampires throats out with his fangs it's amazing and my one regret about this final battle is lamb says to baz he says i know what you are i know you're one of them but you can choose to be one of us now and baz turns his back on him calls him brutus you know mm -hmm. all that good jazz goes to save his boyfriend but Baz never tells Lamb who he no. actually is. And I wanted it so bad because Lamb goes on and on about how terrible Old Man Pitch was. Old Man Pitch being Baz's like great-great-grandfather mm -hmm. who made it his family's lives mission to eradicate vampires from Great Britain. And so Lamb goes on and on and on about Old Man, old man Pitch and how terrible he was. And Baz is keeping an alias. And as Baz turns his back on Lamb and goes to save his friends, he doesn't tell Lamb who he actually is. And I'm so upset about it because I wanted Lamb to know just how much he needed mm -hmm. to fear Baz. 
Me too. And I also wanted Babs to be like, you think I'm one of them? No. I was a mage first, turned into a vampire. Everything that I have is like part of me. I wanted that to be the moment that Baz just completely accepts himself as him, as this vampire mage, wonderful king, as he who as he is. Because we see Baz just doubting his vampirism the whole like book in Carry On and even in this one too. So I, yeah, all I wanted was for him to turn a lamb and be like, fuck you there's nothing they didn't do anything to me this is all this is all just me being a boss ass bitch i wanted him to turn to lamb and be like i'm a pitch motherfucker and then light his hand on fire and just douse lamb's men in flames yes and i'm I just <laughs> yes i need it in the next book i need lamb to come back and i need baz to be sassy and have a good one-liner. Triumphantly rise above the rest and be like, "I am Tyrannus Basilton Grimpitch, son of Natasha Pitch." Mm-hmm. Ah! And then Fuck light you. a whole bunch of vampires on fire. Yeah, I I literally need that more than anything. <laughs> Straight up. Also, when I thought Simon was dead, I nearly chucked the book at the wall. I freaked out for a good hot second because I forgot for a second that there was a third book coming out and Simon inevitably was going to be alive at the very end. I was like, oh, you did not just kill him off. Oh, please don't kill my son. Mm-hmm. And then he was fine. <laughs> also, you guys, one of my other favorite Simon and Baz moments in this book is when they're sitting in the back of the pickup truck together. And they're and- staring up at the night sky <laughs> in the desert. Counting the stars. And it's kind of like a recreation of what we have when we saw in Carry On when they kissed for the first part where it's like very short blips Mm -hmm. of them talking back and forth. And we just, it's one of the only moments in the book where where things between them feel sort of normal. And I just need to read this to you guys because I think it's my favorite romantic passage of all time. And it makes my heart stutter and cry. So this is Simon. He says, I give him all that I am. I give it him I give him all that I was. I'd open up a vein. I tie our hearts together, chamber by chamber. Oh my soul cries! Ugh. He loves him so much, and it hurts my heart. These two idiots are just so incapable of using their words. They really just, they need some communication skills. Yeah, yeah, they fucking do. Like, you can tell they're boys in their early, they're in their late teens, early 20s, because they don't know how to fucking communicate. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) To save their damn lives. Oh, I hate it so much. Um, also, on a, another serious note, I said earlier that it bugged me how we had less Simon Baz moments because of Simon's depression. But I want to talk about Simon's depression for a second and how wonderfully depicted it is. At least for me, someone who also has like mental health stuff going on i thought that was such a wonderful way to show someone with depression especially someone like simon who has been made to feel special his whole life and then to be stripped of that one thing that makes him special 
And then to him, he doesn't deserve to be with Baz anymore. He thinks Baz doesn't love him anymore. He thinks Baz just wanted to be with him because he was this all-powerful mage. And now he's like, well, I have to dump Baz because Baz pities me. And honestly, maybe Penelope does too. Like, I have no use anymore. I'm useless. All I have are my tail and my wings. And I can fight, but I have no magic. I'm not this person, this golden, like, hero. I'm just a normal person. And I was like, I really thought it was a beautiful sort of character development for him to be stripped of that. And then have to come into his own and be like, you know what? I, I'm not a mage anymore. But you know what? I still have my friends and I'm still loyal and fierce. And I'll fight anybody who tries to fucking touch the people I love. And I just love it so much. It breaks my heart, but I love it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I... I love that she decided to write a what happens after the chosen one mm-hmm. saves the world story. I I love it so much. I Yeah. Those are my only words on it. I just love it. I I love that we get to hear this story because every other chosen one story ends with they save the world and they live mm-hmm. happily ever after the end. Yep. And you don't watch them pick up the pieces afterward. And there are so many pieces to be picked up. Mm-hmm. And so I really appreciate this narrative and I appreciate this this book. I do too. And I agree with everything you've just said because I'm thinking of Harry Potter and I'm thinking at the end of Deathly Hollows, my least favorite Harry Potter book. Something I'll go into when we actually cover Harry Potter. And how it just ends with them sending their children off. And I remember feeling very unsatisfied by that ending because Mm -hmm. I really wanted to see what Harry had to deal with immediately after defeating Voldemort. I didn't want to see the cute, happy ending. I wanted to see him and Ginny and Ron and Hermione having to pick up these pieces of of their lives and like mourn the people they've lost and grow from that. And we get this in Wayward Son. We get this, our our golden four, I'll call them, having Mm -hmm. to readjust after shit hits the fan. I would just like to read um, a few passages that I adore that are just Simon describing Baz, and I love them. These are just two of many Baz descriptions (laughs) we get throughout the book and they are some of my favorite passages in the whole book and the first is in the like one of the first chapters when penny is trying to convince them that they should go to america and simon says for a moment i can see it the three of us speeding down some abandoned motorway no highway in an old convertible i'm driving we're all wearing sunglasses we're listening to the doors and baz is complaining about it but he's got his shirt unbuttoned to his navel so i'm not complaining about anything the sky is huge and blue and full of lens flare <laughs> that was like me too simon me too me too and then he talks about baz driving a convertible and he says baz acts like he does this every day he's completely relaxed with one long pale hand resting on the steering wheel and the other firmly managing the gear stick He's wearing light gray trousers, a white shirt cuffed around his elbows, and a pair of sunglasses I've never seen before. His hair has gotten longer since we left school, and the wind is bringing it to life. And I'm like, 
I could sit here and listen to Simon Snow describe Basilton Grimpitch all day long and just be a very happy woman. <laughs> I was just thinking that I was like, can Simon describe every Baz outfit out here in like immense detail? Because I need it in my life. And also one of my favorite Baz style moments is when he's getting so sunburnt from the convertible, he starts wearing a little silk scarf around from his, his head. Mother. From his mother. It and it's very mother's. sweet. And I've seen some fan art of Baz with said silk scarf around his head and sunglasses. And may I say, please look it up because it's the most majestic thing I've ever seen in my entire he, he life. He somehow looks both like a little old lady and also like the sexiest, like tall, yeah. dark, morally gray villain yes. character you've ever seen. Yes. And I'm like, I dare all other men out there to try out that look and see if they look as good as Basilton Grimpitch. Because they won't. They won't. Why must you set them up for failure, Alyssa? Because I want to see him fail. I want them to try it out. I want to see him fail. Can we talk a little bit about Baz and his vampirism and what he learns during yes. this book? Yes, he, please. He spent his entire life thinking that he was a soulless monster, that there was no hope for him, that he couldn't drink human blood without killing people or turning them. He didn't know how to eat like normal human food without his fangs dropping down. He was a mess and it mm -hmm. was so sad. And he meets Lamb and Lamb takes him under his wing. Lamb, by the way, is centuries old. Like mm -hmm. he came over in like over to America in like the thirteen hundreds. Mm -hmm. He's centuries old. And Lamb takes him under his wing and he teaches Baz how to be a proper vampire that is assimilated into society and it's so touching reading about Baz's acceptance of himself and learning about himself like I cry every time mm -hmm. because this poor baby boy was so lost and was thinking that he was the most disgusting creature alive and he's finally understanding how to exist mm -hmm. with the condition he has and I just... I love him and my heart goes out to him and as I do many times throughout these books I just want to give him a hug yeah it's the only good thing Lamb does in the entire book and it's, right. only, it's the only reason I actually really I really liked Lamb initially because I was like oh this is wonderful Baz finally has a vampire to kind of see as a role model a mentor to ask questions about vampirism because he doesn't know what he's doing. Lamb literally was like, hey, you're gray because you're starving yourself. Mm -hmm. You're not drinking enough. Like, you can drink people. And Baz is like, no, I'm going to kill him. He's like, no, you're not. I also love every time Simon claims Baz as his boyfriend because they're on the rocks so much that every time Baz is in danger, Simon's like, stay away from my boyfriend, or that's my boyfriend, or I'm his boyfriend, and I'm going to kick your ass. And it just, ah, it makes me so happy. And my favorite one is while they are in Las Vegas with Lamb, and Baz has told Lamb about Agatha and the fact that they're trying to save his friend Agatha, who is a magician. And 
Lamb is like, ah, star-crossed lovers, you poor, you poor child. You fell in love with a magician and you're a vampire. And oh, oh, my sweet baby boy. And then Lamb finally finds out about Penny and Simon and Shepard. Uh, <laughs> Lamb, when, because Simon is, is uh, invisible at this point because mm-hmm. of an overly powerful spell. And Lamb is being introduced to everyone, and Lamb goes, and what's this? His boyfriend, Simon snarls. Huh, I wasn't sure. I mean, I'd wondered. Baz covers his face. Boyfriend, Lamb repeats. What about Agatha? (laughs) I think that it's the funniest thing, and I love it. It's so cute, and I'm imagining, I mean... It says Simon snarls, but I'm imagining like a little scrunched up face and it's kind of freaking cute. And Baz is like, my boyfriend's so adorable, but my boyfriend's also a fucking idiot. Like, I imagine in Baz's head, just him being like, oh, look at you. You look like a little second year puppy dog and I love you. But also, Jesus fucking Christ, Snow, I am going to (laughs) cut your dick off after this. Yeah. How dare you? <laughs> Please fucking take it down like 20 notches. You are only making things worse. This man could kill all of us in a heartbeat if he wanted to. Yup. I am like, and I love how they compliment each other that way. Baz is like, I'm going to think and kind of talk my way through this. And Simon's like, I'm going to punch everybody in the dick. And, you know, if, if someone else is alive by the end, I'll, we can talk. But I'm going to fight first. <laughs> I also just love a Penny Baz friendship. Oh, it's so cute. It makes me so happy because uh, Baz is like one of the few people that won't put up with Penny's shit. Mm-hmm. He's like, listen, Bunce, I love you. You're incredibly intelligent, but Jesus Christ, please shut up. Yep. And I love him. And I love them as friends because she gives him all kinds of shit. And he takes the friendly stuff and then tells her when she's being unreasonable and she needs someone she needs a friend to tell her when she's being unreasonable and a friend that she respects because i don't know if she respects simon and that's one of the things about penny that i'm not a big fan of is like i know she loves simon but i don't know that she respects him all the time i feel Mm -hmm. like she treats him kind of like a baby brother she needs to protect or like a like hapless puppy dog kind Mm -hmm. of thing yeah i see her like especially with him and agatha i see penny seeing them as like people she needs to protect and look out for and for baz it's like they're equals on that front where she doesn't have to worry as much Mm -hmm. and she can actually develop a really nice friendship with baz in a different sense than she does with simon and agatha that's the thing is like at the beginning of this book penny's form of caring and love is so condescending Mm -hmm. because she knows better than everyone else and if everyone just listened to her things would be a lot easier and by the end of this story she's gone through so much and been challenged so much Mm because she's like i know everything and then she gets to america and she knows absolutely nothing everything is new to her she's learning things from a normal that she feels like she should inherently know and understand and she's so humbled by the end of it that when they come out of the final battle, she is showing actual empathy and compassion in a way that we hadn't seen her show mm-hmm. before. And I really, really love that for her. Yep. 
I agree. I loved watching Penny grow this whole book because Carry On, she wasn't my favorite, but I didn't actively dislike her, you know? I was just like, oh, Penny's there and she's kind of Hermione Granger, but like not as charming as Hermione Granger. Mm-hmm. So, eh. But yeah, I love, especially when Micah dumps her. I think that was the perfect jumpstart to her growing and being humbled because she really thought she knew that relationship in and out. When in reality, she knew nothing about it. She just Mm -hmm. kept pushing him and pushing him away and he didn't want to be pushed anymore. So he broke up with her and she didn't even realize it until she came to see him and he was like, what the fuck are you doing here? Mm -hmm. And oh, I also love the end. Where they're kind of, they're healing each other's wounds. And I forgot the spell that Baz uses on Penny. Oh, oh, hold on. I'm going to yeah. look it up quick. It's a family spell. Yeah, because she's like, Baz, you can only use that spell on, on family. And he was like, oh, hush up. And then he... <laughs> Sorry, I just flipped open to the beginning of chapter 63. And it's from Baz's perspective. And it just says, go ahead and shoot me. This isn't my favorite shirt. And I'm like, I love him. <laughs> what an iconic man. I love him. Ah, okay. Sorry. Sorry, yeah. sorry, sorry. Come here, Bunce. I'm right as rain, Baz. Don't make me climb over Simon. Penelope sighs, leaning over the seat, and Baz holds his wand to her mouth. Kiss it better. Basil, that's a family spell. Hush, he says, kissing her cheek. He wipes the blood from her mouth with his sleeve. His arm is shaking. You okay? She's tearful. She nods. Oh... Uh... <laughs> I love the found family trope. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. As as far as like non-romantic tropes go, that's just a winner. It's always mm-hmm. a winner. Mm-hmm. I was reading a fanfic yesterday that had some good fam- found family tropes. Remind Ooh. me to tell you about it after we record this because it definitely has nothing to do with Snowbass. <laughs> do. <laughs> also... I just, I love how everybody's coming back to England at the end of the book. Like, it's the perfect way to set up the last book of the trilogy. Like, Agatha's coming back. Agatha's, I love also Agatha and Penelope actually developing a friendship because Agatha used to kind of just tolerate Penny Mm -hmm. and want to be left alone by her. Like, the beginning of the book, Agatha's like, oh my god, please don't fucking come here. Like, I don't want to see you. I don't want to be part of the mage world anymore. And her being kidnapped by the vampires and just generally not being able to escape the world of mages, I think she realized she's like, well, might as well be friends with these people who care about Mm -hmm. me this much to come and rescue me. Mm -hmm. And Penelope and I have seen some shit and she's clinging to Penelope at like the end of the book. And it's, it's really beautiful. And I'm like, oh, I'm glad you guys are finally friends. I'm here for it. Well, and part of what's so beautiful about Agatha's relationship with her magic now is that she finally sees her magic as something personal to her, something that mm-hmm. she can wield and not as something that everyone else expects of her, you know? Yeah, exactly. And so, like, going back to the UK to get her wand, knowing that she's coming back to LA, that's great. She's made her mm-hmm. own life. She wants to keep those boundaries set. But she finally understands what her magic is to her rather than trying to understand what it is to everyone else, you know? Yeah, exactly. I love that for her. Me too. I'm like, everybody in this book grows so much and it's so stunningly beautiful. And you know how sometimes in second books that characters sometimes backtrack while others like skip forward? Mm -hmm. This was like perfectly paced character development and I'm so here for it. Mm -hmm. I'd argue that we got 
development and forward momentum from all of the main characters in this book. I would agree with that statement. Like, they all were challenged in new ways in this book where they didn't really know how to deal with the situation, and they came out the other end a lot stronger, and I really mm-hmm. loved that. Mm-hmm. They still don't know how to have simple conversations about their relationships. No, but... no. Hopefully we'll see that in, in you know, the next mm-hmm. book. It wouldn't be a teen angst novel if they could have proper conversations about their relationships. No, and that's the thing. Well, I'm like, me in real life totally wants the real and honest conversation. Angsty book Alyssa wants it to be dragged out a little bit. I want miscommunication. (laughs) Mm -hmm. It's not good unless there's miscommunication because miscommunication sets the stage for drama. Yes, and we freaking love drama. We would not. Pining. Oh, I love a good pine, especially Baz pining. Baz pining hits different. Mm. <laughs> yes, it does. Simon's just a depresso, and, and Baz is like a different brand of pining, and I'm, oh, I need mm. it in my life, but also I don't want that in my life. This has nothing to do with this book because it doesn't happen in this book, but can we talk about the fact that Baz plays violin and how wonderful that is? And how it makes me love him even more. Oh, I need to share something with you. Again, it kind of relates to this, but also it doesn't relate to this. When I was scrolling through Pinterest, trying to find things on this book, I came across, like, a Tumblr post that talked about Rainbow Rowell, like, confirming the song in her head that happens in Carry On when Simon is running to the Basilton Pitch House Mm -hmm. during Christmas break. And I'm going to share it with you because... Everybody needs to look it up now, and it's my favorite, new favorite song. Mm. Um, it is called the um, I Am the Antichrist to You by, I'm so sorry if I butcher this, Kishi Bashi. Fucking of course Baz is playing a song called I Am the Antichrist to You on the violin. What a posh motherfucker. Oh, and there is like a beautiful violin section in this, and it, it's, I want the Netflix TV adaptation of this book series but more also, than don't. anything and where it would get ruined yeah i don't need to see this that's true. live i want to live this yeah i want i want to live a love story like mm-hmm. simon and baz but i don't want to watch it play out on a tv screen because i just won't appreciate it as much i don't think that it could be done justice and i'm happy to keep it in the pages of the book because the book is so fulfilling and the fan art is so good Mm -hmm. that i don't need to see it live action actually i'd be i'd be comfortable seeing it as an animated piece 2d animation i I think i'd enjoy i would not enjoy it as a live action because it would become too cw i just know it would yeah yeah I think and I just I don't need any more CW teen uh, drama in my life. Same. I think I just want to see that that scene, especially with the scoring, and see and cutting to Simon running from mm-hmm. like Watford to Baz's house with Baz playing the violin and the song, mm-hmm. the song under like scoring the scene, and then nothing else. Nothing mm-hmm. else. Maybe chapter sixty-one, and mm-hmm. then that's it. I'd love to see a short film of like select chapters of this live yes. action, you know? Because I want to see, really want to see the, the truck bed scene and also the fight scene at the end of this book mm-hmm. kind of brought to life. Mm-hmm. But also really nothing else because some TV, book to TV adaptations are just garbage. Sad. 
garbage, mm-hmm. and I don't want most, I, most, most book to TV adaptations are and garbage. book to movie. Let's just not talk about the Lightning Thief movies because they make me sad. Oh, can we talk about one of my favorite moments in this whole book? Yes, it's the smallest, simplest little moment. Penny and Baz cast to him. Oh yes, in the middle of the desert. They've lost all of their stuff because of an ambush, and they are completely, essentially, you know, at their wit's end and hopeless. Shepard is their only hope for survival, and Baz sits down cross-legged with Penny and holds her hands, and they sing Amazing Grace. And Simon talks about how he doesn't have magic anymore, but can feel the magic humming in the earth beneath him. It's just this beautiful scene because I feel that when Mm -hmm. Amazing Grace is done really well. Mm -hmm. Like, in the context of my own life, it's a truly magical song where when it's done well and it's done right, I feel that sort of, like, magic humming in the earth connection to everything around me sort of feeling and so it's one of my favorite parts in the book because I'm like I understand this Mm -hmm. I understand this completely yeah I agree like it's like for me it's like a chill like I get full body chills when I hear a really good like choir sing literally anything but especially like an acapella piece and just Mm -hmm. the harmonies are blending everything is so gorgeous and my body is just like connected to the movement and vibrations in the air and there's chills literally Mm -hmm. covering my entire body and it's wonderful this is one of my favorite things about we talked a little bit in our last episode about the uh magic system and the way that magic Mm -hmm. works in this world and one of my favorite things about the way that magic works in this world is that music has power Mm-hmm. In a way that it always should in every yes. magical universe because it is truly one of the most magical things that we as human beings are able to create. Mm-hmm. And so I love that, you know, Baz is so in touch with that. He plays violin, he composes his own music, and he is unafraid to cast a hymn. It's so good. For the sake of comfort and for the sake of finding a direction and returning all of their stuff to them mm-hmm. from states away, mm-hmm. you know? It's epic, and it speaks to, A, like you said, how powerful music is, and B, how powerful a mage he and Penelope are. Mm-hmm. That's the thing. Like, I get that Simon Snow was, like, the most powerful mage, blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. But n- not anymore. No, no. No. <laughs> His boyfriend is. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, Baz is killing the magic game. Like, he had, like, a little rough start in America because, um, oh, something we didn't really talk about. Like, you know how we said in the last um, episode, like, common phrases are used as spells. And you know how in-, in England there are different common phrases in America? Yeah, that's a real learning curve for Baz. He has a rough time casting mm. magic in America. And when I first... Before I really realized what was going on, I was like, oh, shit. Is, like, America just one giant dead spot for some reason? No. No. We He's just, just don't... a British wanker. Yeah. We just don't say British catchphrases. Surprisingly, mm-hmm. whoa. Who would have thought that we Americans don't say 
British colloquialisms. We're not clever enough to figure them out anyways. <laughs> All right. Alyssa, do you have any final thoughts on Carry On? Oh, God. Or not on Carry On. Oh, on <laughs> um, Not necessarily besides the fact that I cannot speak this enough, how beautiful it is seeing the hero's journey, the chosen one's journey after the 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 battle the final throwdown and how they have to pick up the pieces and it's just it's gorgeous you guys please read this series especially this book it's not as fluffy and cute but it's there's a lot of really real and beautiful themes in it so i have a another question for you oof would you like to take a witch simon snow character are you quiz In my headphones, that just sounded like your mic was running away from you. <laughs> it probably is because I just screamed into it. Okay, I posted it in the chat. Go and look at it and we'll okay. take it. I'm ready. Oh my god, what's that? <laughs> okay, okay. Also, we will be posting the link to this quiz in the podcast episode description so you guys can take it and please share with us which simon snow character you got okay yeah. one hit me with it tweet at us uh at t squee what simon snow character you got yes. i am obviously baz pitch yes! <laughs> yes! what's your what's your description i just scrolled down and <laughs> and the first sentence just says you are gay <laughs> you are gay in moments of crisis you will still think about what outfit you're wearing you're a strong magician Bringing fire for you is as easy as breathing, even though you're flammable. You love patiently and love and wholeheartedly, even when you think it's hopeless. You probably have an iron deficiency and are touch-starved. <laughs> Jesus Christ, they didn't have to call me out like that. Aside, aside from being told I'm gay, the rest was, like, on point. <laughs> yes, that, I would say that's very accurate. This is more accurate than the cats one for sure. <laughs> I got my queen. I got Agatha, and I'm so here for it. Yeah, I knew it. I've known you were Agatha for years. <laughs> Literally, I read the first book, and I was like, "Huh, Agatha sounds like Alyssa." But now I'm glad you know it too. I love her so much, and I'm fully embracing this moment. I'm like, "Yeah, I am Agatha, and I fucking love her." Okay, this description: You're a dog lover. You have always been seen more for your beauty, but you long for your independence. You just want to leave the past behind and live your best life. You're tired of being the damsel in distress and being seen as someone happily ever after. Someone's happily happily ever after. But trouble always seems to find you. It's your turn to learn how to save the day. I love her so much. (laughs) These both make perfect sense to me and I love them. I will remember to, we will be posting our results on our Twitter and Instagram as well for funsies. Oh, oh yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and please respond to those tweets with your Simon Snow character. Because mm-hmm. I really want to know. I'm very curious. <laughs> it makes me happy to know that I am my comfort character. 
Like, you... really, I just am in love with myself. Yes. Yes. That's great that... for my self-esteem. That makes so much sense, though. Like, when I was reading, I'm like, of course Baz is Gwen's favorite character. Like, she literally acts just like Baz. This makes a lot of sense to me. I'm like, mmm, snarky, snarky on the surface, but just, like, full of, like, a well of love underneath. Yep, that is Gwen. Uh-huh. <laughs> we love to see it. And I hope you guys can be your favorite character, too. All right. Thank you all for coming on this journey with us. Like I said earlier, we will be back with a part three and the epic conclusion to the Simon Snow series um, sometime in August or September after we read the final book in June, July, July, in July. July. I'm so excited. (laughs) I just wish it was in June. Okay, you guys, this podcast will be posted on our SoundCloud, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. It's not iTunes, but the same deal applies. If you listen to your podcast on Apple Podcasts, give us a five-star rating and give us a little review, too. Say only nice things, so I don't want to hear your mean thoughts. They will just hurt my feelings. But they will motivate me. I will be I will continue to do my normal bullshit out of pettiness. Yeah, I'll say I would just I will just continue to be obnoxious, but just out of spite instead of my general general enjoyment. So don't do that to me or for us. Don't do that. If you would like to connect with us on social media, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Tsquee. Or if you have longer thoughts or, you know, want to uh, send us some more fan fiction about Simon and Baz. I'm, I'd be here for it. Or, mm-hmm. ooh, Penelope and Shepard <gasps> fanfic. Send us all of your Penelope and Shepard fanfic, mm-hmm. please and thank you. I want to read it. Uh, but you can send that fan fiction and any longer thoughts you might have to our email address, tnsquee at gmail.com. That's T, the letter N, squee. Yes, and if you have any fun pop culture things you want us to spill the tea and squee about, just remember to DM us on Twitter or Instagram or email us. We want to hear your thoughts and things you love. Yes, 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 yes. We want to learn to love the things that y'all love. So let us know what you want to hear us talk about. This podcast is produced and edited by Gwen and Alyssa, and our cover art is by Laker Thrasher. Thanks so much for hanging out with us for whatever this bullshit is. Yeah, thank you. (laughs) Thanks for joining us in our dumpster fire. It's been great. We love having you in our chaos kingdom. I, Tiernus Basilton Grim Pitch, I'm your vampire king, and I will rule this chaos kingdom. Yay. Yes! (laughs) Yes! (laughs) All right, everybody. We will see you next time. Mm -hmm. Bye. Bye, friends.